Jesus Christ. It's because of his resurrection that we have hope. It's because of his resurrection that we can believe the promises that he made are true. When Jesus came forth from the grave, the Bible says that he was declared with power by the Spirit of God to be the Son of God. The reason that we can believe his promises about eternal life, about heaven, about his second coming is because of what he demonstrated when he came forth from the grave on that day. You know, the Apostle Paul spoke about this importance of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, listen to what he said. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. But praise the Lord, he has been raised. But Paul understood that everything that we believe hinges on this truth that Jesus was raised from the dead. You know, when we look around the world today, you don't have to look very far to be disappointed. We look around the world and we see wars, violence. We see children being abused. We see sickness and, and death. We find people who are greedy, consumed with envy and lust, which destroys relationships and breaks apart families. You don't have to look very far to be disappointed in the world. The world is certainly a very broken place. And if the Lord Jesus Christ came to restore what God had created, he came not so that we could exist forever, but so that we could live forever. There's a difference between existing and having a great quality of life. And Jesus came and he died on the cross making payment for our sin so that we could be forgiven. He came and died on the cross so that we could be drawn near to God, so that someday we could experience what God intended all along, but what sin has destroyed and corrupted. You see, Pastor, how do we really know that that's true? Because a man that was barbarically tortured to death walked out of the tomb alive. The resurrection confirms the teaching, the promises, the prophecies about who Jesus is. And so today we're in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, as, as Matthew describes that, that Sunday morning, as some ladies came looking for a body and yet, encountered our risen Lord. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1, because we believe that the Bible is the word of God, would you just stand with me as we read it together? Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. 
And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let's pray together. Father, we rejoice today that one day we too will see your son. Until that time, give us faith to believe, persistence to serve. Lord, for the next few moments, open our eyes to understand the scripture. Give us the faith to believe what it teaches about your son. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're gathered here today because of faith. Faith. We're gathered because we believe something. And yet, the, the Bible shows us that God, he gives us reasons to believe. In fact, God gives us reasons to accept the reality of the resurrection. On this day, as the women went to the tomb looking for the body, the Bible says, you now, after the Sabbath, uh, many people think of Sunday as the Sabbath, but Sunday is not the Sabbath. Saturday is the Sabbath. Sunday is actually the first day of the week. And you say, well, why, why, why do we worship on Sunday if Saturday is the Sabbath? Because, my friends, it was on Sunday that the Lord Jesus walked out of the tomb. And ever since then, the church has been meeting on Sunday to celebrate and acknowledge his resurrection. And here, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day, you don't know exactly what time it was, but uh, it's somewhere around 6 a.m. This morning, as, as many people gathered for, for sunrise services all, all across America and across the world. Many people gathered and celebrated the fact that the women came at dawn. They came at dawn because they couldn't work on the Sabbath. And they had some work to do to prepare the body of Jesus. You see, Jesus had died on Friday. Friday known as the day of preparation, the day to prepare to observe the Sabbath. And the Jews who, who didn't follow a calendar nor a clock like ours. The days didn't run from midnight to midnight. The, the days ran from sundown to sundown. That on Friday, as the sun was going down, the Sabbath was beginning. And so they had to very quickly take his body and put it in the tomb. But now the day after the Sabbath, the first day of the week, the, the ladies go at dawn. And they're going to try to care for Jesus' body. 
Mark tells us that's the reason that they went that morning. In Mark chapter 16, verse 1, this is what he says. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices, and here's the reason, so that they might go and anoint him. The Jews in the first century didn't embalm bodies, but they would use spices. And so they went to try to care and prepare for his body. But of course, we know it wasn't there. The angel, the Bible tells us about an angel there that day. And it's important to note that the angel did not open the grave for Jesus to be able to come out, but for the women to be able to go in. It says in verse 2, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Earthquakes aren't very common where we live. As far as I know, they're not common at all in Jerusalem. But now in a span of three days, there have been two. When Jesus was crucified, the Bible talks about there was a great earthquake. And now, on the day after the Sabbath, there's another great earthquake. Not just an earthquake, but the Bible says a, a great earthquake. And this event was caused by an angel of the Lord descending. It says, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. As Jesus was, was laid in a tomb. He was, it was the tomb of a man named Joseph of Arimathea, a man who was a part of the Jewish government, a very wealthy man, the Bible says. Because of his wealth, he was able to purchase this tomb, a tomb in which nobody had ever been laid. That doesn't make a lot of sense to us today because we dig graves and put bodies in them for the first time, but that's not how they cared for the body in the first century. Tombs were shared by families, and they would go inside the tomb, they would lay out the body, and they would leave it to decay, and then they would come back two or three years later when there was nothing left but the bones, and they would gather the bones, they would put them in a box, and they would put them in a shelf, and then the tomb would be available for the next family member that died. And many tombs had, had been uh, the, the site of decay for dozens, if not hundreds of people. But Joseph of Arimathea, this very wealthy man who had asked for the body of Jesus because he was a believer, he placed Jesus in this tomb. And this stone that wasn't placed there by the Romans to secure the tomb, the stone was a, a normal way to secure any tomb. It kept animals out and it deterred grave robbers because it was difficult to move. But on this day, the women who, another gospel tells us, were worried about how they were going to find somebody to be able to move this stone and open the tomb for them. As they go, they, they find that the angel has already moved the stone. On that day, the angels appeared so that they could be seen. Angels that cannot be seen by people unless God allows it. We see many examples of this throughout Scripture. In Numbers chapter 22, the Bible tells us about this man named Balaam. And in Numbers chapter 22, verse 31, it says, Then the Lord 
opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed and he fell on his face. On this occasion, Balaam had been riding a donkey, and the donkey becomes greatly afraid, and Balaam doesn't understand why he's acting in such a way. But then the Bible says the Lord opened his eyes so that he could see the angel before him. The Old Testament prophet Elijah uh, once prayed for his servant that he might be able to see. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Then Elisha prayed, and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. On this occasion, a servant of Elisha came outside, and he saw this foreign army that was about to take them. And Elijah basically says, we don't, we don't have anything to worry about. And he prayed that the Lord would open the eyes of the young man so that he could see the angels all around them. Angels. Angels are often in human form, even among us, and, and, and we don't even know it. The Bible describes this in Hebrews 13 too. It says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So, 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 so angels, they can't be seen unless God allows us to see them. And sometimes they even appear in human form and we think we're with a person and we're with an angel according to Scripture. So on that day, the angel did not have to be seen. But the angel appeared so that the guards and the women would know that it was God who had sent him to open the tomb and that it was God that had raised his son from the dead. Angels must be an awesome sight to behold. The Bible says in verse four, and for fear of him, speaking about the angel that descended, the guards trembled and became like dead men. You know, the Bible says the apostle John responded the same way when he saw Jesus in his glorified body. In Revelation 1, verse 17 and 18, it says, When I saw him, that's Jesus, I, I fell at his feet as though dead. That's what the Bible says the, the Roman soldiers did this day when they saw the angel descend. It said that they fell and became like dead men. He said, I fell at his feet, though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last and the living one. Listen to this. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. On that day, it's the guards who were placed there to make sure that no one came and stole the body of Jesus. As they experienced this great earthquake and they saw this angel descend whose appearance was like lightning and his clothing white 
as snow. They stood in, in terror. When an angel appears in their glorious heavenly form, the first thing an angel almost always says in Scripture is, fear not, fear not. Because what an amazing sight it must be for an angel to always have to calm those who see them with the words, do not be afraid. But I want you to notice something. On this occasion, when the Roman guards see the angel, the angel does not say, do not be afraid. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is only good news for those who believe in him. For those who do not believe, the resurrection is just a reminder that our deeds do not die with us, but travel to the next life, for there is such a thing. We are more than our mere body. And one day when our heart stops beating, the oxygen is no longer going to the blood, when our lungs are no longer breathing, we will not cease to exist. Our soul will separate from the body. And on this day, Jesus, Jesus, as he rose from the dead, he demonstrated that everything that he said about heaven, about his second coming, about the judgment, everything that he taught was true. Anyone who struggled to believe before the resurrection, having seen Jesus crucified and then alive, they had all the proof they needed to believe that his promises were true. These ladies, on this day, they have an encounter with the angel and with Jesus. And we see from what happens here that once we know that Jesus is risen, the Lord calls us to service. I want you to notice in verse 5 that the women have a completely different experience with the angel than the guards. The angel who, unlike almost every other recording of an angel appearing in their glorious form, almost everywhere else, angels always say, do not be afraid. But to the guards that day, it's this angel who appeared like lightning He doesn't say, do not be afraid to the guards. But to the women, listen to what he says in verse 5. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. And, and why should they not be afraid? He says, because I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. You see, the angel knew the heart of the women. He knew what they believed. He knew why they were there. They were seeking the body of Jesus because they wanted to show honor and respect. They were coming, seeking him because they loved him. Through the prophet Jeremiah to Old Testament Israel, 
Here's what God said about seeking. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus had taught in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be will be opened I remember as a child first hearing about the second coming of Christ and when I first read Revelation and some of the things that that, that were to come I was afraid but as I began to understand the Bible and read more you know what I discovered When we come seeking Jesus, when we come to believe in him, we don't have anything to fear or anything to dread. Because when we seek him, we find him. The resurrection is good news. The second coming of Christ for all those that have believed in him is good news. That's why the Apostle John, as he described all this that was to take place in the book of Revelation, at the end he said, Come, Lord Jesus. He was looking forward with great anticipation. I once saw an interview with a preacher that, that now some of our younger generation hasn't even heard of. But his man's name was Billy Graham. Billy Graham was doing an interview on a, a national news program. And he was toward the end of his life. And the interviewer asked him, he said, you've spent your whole life talking about heaven and the next life. And he asked him his perspective on his own personal death as he was now obviously nearing the end of his life. And, and I suppose that these questions were probably very carefully prepared and worded by some producer and given to the interviewer. He's simply going through the motions up to this point, but, he's, but Billy Graham responded in such a way that he was completely shocked and thrown off script. Billy Graham simply said, I'm looking forward to my death. And the man that was conducting the interview, he, he, didn't, he didn't know what to say. And so he, he, just, he stopped and he said, he said, you're looking forward to your death. And Billy Graham said, oh, yes, with great anticipation. How can a man look forward to his death? It's because he knows what's on the other side. It's because he knows what Christ has promised. And having believed that Jesus came out of that tomb alive, he can have confidence and believe in the promise of God. These angels, that day is, as he appeared, the guards were in such terror that they like dead men but the women who came seeking the angel said do not be afraid 
You see, Jesus had foretold his resurrection. And now the women were experiencing the fulfillment of these words. Listen to what the angel said in verse 6. He is not here, for he has risen. And notice this. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Jesus had foretold the resurrection. At one place is recorded in Matthew chapter 20, verse 18. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and here's what he says. He says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And listen to this. And he will be raised on the third day. Jesus had told his disciples on multiple occasions that he was going to rise from the dead. And now as the women find this tomb empty, the angel reminds them that Jesus had predicted this. I can't imagine what it would have been like. After having heard about the resurrection of Jesus my whole life, out of living my entire life, looking back in hindsight at what happened. It's hard for me to imagine having experienced it that day like these ladies did. But I suspect they were in awe. Do you remember when Jesus went up on the mountain and he was transfigured? And there was Moses and Elijah and Peter. Peter, the impulsive and outspoken one, said, Lord, it's good that we're here. Let's build three, three tents. Peter wanted to, to build places of worship and stay there. But he couldn't camp out there. Neither could the women stay at this side of the tomb. For you see, once they believed, once they saw and experienced, there was work to do. And so verse 7 the angel said, then go quickly, go quickly. Notice the urgency of the call. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. When we come to understand that Jesus is alive, when we come to understand that Jesus is the son of God, when you realize that a man that was tortured on a cross walked out alive of a grave, the only reasonable response is to worship. And so the Bible tells us in verses 8 through 10 what the, woman did, the women did. It, it says in verse 8, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Notice that they were obedient, and yet still there's this mix of fear and joy. They're, they're overjoyed at what they've learned, but yet they've just encountered an angel. They just encountered an empty tomb. They're, they're, there's, there's still things they don't fully understand. And coming to faith in Christ doesn't mean that you understand everything that the Bible says. doesn't mean that you can explain everything about God. It just means that you love him, you're seeking him. You've come to believe and trust in him. Verse 9, it says, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. 
And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. You see, they worshiped Jesus because they knew. They knew that after he'd been resurrected, that obviously he was more than a man. Matthew opens his gospel by telling us about the Magi, the wise men who saw the star and came and worshiped him. They worshiped because God had revealed to them through the star that the king of the Jews had been born. The Bible tells us that after Jesus began his ministry, one night his disciples were in the boat by themselves and they saw Jesus walking toward them across the water. Matthew 28 or Matthew 14, 32, listen to where it's recorded. It says, when they got into the boat, that is Jesus and Peter who had asked if he could also come out on the water, the wind ceased. And those in the boat, listen to this, worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. We don't worship people. Only God is worthy of worship. But time and time again, as people began to realize that Jesus was the Son of God, they worshiped. And as these ladies went and found an empty tomb and an angel appearing in all his glory, they realized that Jesus was worthy of worship. All across the world today, people will gather because Christmas and Easter are the two biggest holidays celebrated in the Christian faith. But if we read about the disciples of Jesus, we see that we can't worship the Lord by giving lip service to him or following a ritual. We worship the Lord through our life and how we live. We worship the Lord through obedience and through service. And so in verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. And notice he sends them to go and to tell. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. Worship without going and telling is, is merely lip service. Jesus would describe this in Matthew 15, 8, as he quoted the prophet Isaiah. He said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And today, I don't, I don't know why you came. Perhaps you came because, like Jesus, it's your habit of gathering for worship on Sunday. Perhaps you came because you're trying to figure some things out. You think maybe there's some truth in this and you wanted to hear more. Perhaps you came because somebody guilted you into it. I don't know why you came, 
but I hope that you'll leave here believing and trusting in Christ and living for him. If Christ is not raised, there was no reason for us to gather today. There's no reason for us to have any kind of ministry or church or any hope for the future for that matter. But the good news is Christ is raised. Christ, because he was raised, these ladies went and told the disciples, which went and told others, which sparked a movement that changed the world. 2,000 years ago, this took place. And today, there are people all over this globe that are gathered celebrating the resurrection of Christ. That's how significant this event was. And it's the reason that we have hope. You know, the Bible says that, that every single one of us, that ultimately we have the same problem. Different specifics, but the same problem. You know, people that have terminal cancer, it doesn't really matter what kind of cancer they have or where it is. If it's terminal, they really all have the same problem. And the Bible describes our problem the same way. Is that we've all sinned against God. And are separated from him because of it. In fact, the Bible says that we're under the wrath of God. And I don't know if you've ever understood this or not. But the whole reason that Jesus came and died on the cross was to solve that problem for you. A problem that you can't solve yourself. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he died in your place. Making payment for your sin. Jesus had never sinned. He didn't have any sin to pay for. That's why what he did on the cross can be applied to you. Today you could be forgiven and receive the gift of eternal life. A gift that Jesus demonstrated he has the power to offer when he came out of the grave. But just because Jesus made a payment that's sufficient to cover your sin. Like any other gift, you must choose whether to receive it or not. And so today, I want to invite you to put your faith and your trust in him. The Bible teaches us, and so does experience, that every single one of us is going to die. But there's no reason why we have to be afraid. In fact, Jesus gave us reason why we could have great hope, believing that he has the power to provide all that he promised. And so I want to invite you today to put your faith and your trust in him. Let's pray together. God, for the next few moments, would you speak to us? There may be people here today that are searching. They've asked you to give them a sign. They're, they're trying to figure out what they believe. God, today, would you give them faith? Would you give them whatever it is that they're looking for to give them confirmation that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead? Father, for those of us that have come to believe this truth, 
May we never become apathetic about it. Help us to passionately pursue Christ, not just as our Savior, but as our Lord. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. As we close this service, we're going to close in a song. And here's what I want to invite you to do. If you know for sure that one day when you die, you're going to spend eternity in heaven because Christ has forgiven you of your sin. You've accepted what he's done for you. And right now, in this moment, you're living in absolute perfect obedience to what he's called you to. If you know that for sure for the next few moments, I want to invite you just to sing, just to worship the Lord. But if you're not sure, then I want to invite you to let everyone else sing and you respond to God. Do you know that forgiveness is just one prayer away for you? A totally different life is just one prayer away for you. You see, here's what Jesus told us. Through the scripture it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today you could claim that promise by simply speaking in sincerity. So Pastor, I don't really understand everything yet. The women went to the tomb, they didn't understand everything either, but they were seeking Jesus. And that's why the angels said, don't be afraid. He knew why they were there. And God knows what you're thinking right now, and he knows why you're here. So when we begin to sing, if you've never accepted God's gift of forgiveness, would you just pray right now? I say, God, I believe. I want to be saved. I want to live for you. You don't need those exact words. You just need to believe it from your heart and pray it to him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I, I accepted Christ a long time ago and my life was completely different, but, I, but I've kind of slipped back in a lot of my old ways and, 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 it's, and I'm just really not living for him today. Why don't you just pray to the Lord right now and confess that as sin and say, say so Lord, from today on, I, I want to live for you with the same passion that I once had. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey or what decision that you need to make. But I'm telling you, if you don't make it right now, it's very unlikely that you're going to make it later this week. So before you leave this building, would you just pray and speak to God? If you need help making a decision, I'm going to be right here while we sing. After the service. I'm going to be milling around right here. You can come and find me. I'll do everything I can to help you to pray and call on the Lord. But whatever you need to do to leave here today with peace and assurance, right now is the time to do it as we sing. Let's stand together.